everyone, and welcome to episode 582 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcast. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? It's not going to be a short show, Todd, I have a feeling. What? You've, oh, you've jinxed it, Joe. It's probably I reverse be- jinxed it. Oh, my goodness. That's, that's the trick. Reverse yeah. psychology on the jinx? Never seen it done. Now let's spend 20 minutes talking about this. <laughs> there you go. I like your style, Joe. No, so uh, we're we're on the uh, precipice of Thanksgiving here, which is, uh, I would say, one of my favorite holidays. Right, because of food. Least, least amount of output, at least before, most amount of input. Mm, by input in your mouth with food, you mean? Exactly. Mm, mm. I'll be tweeting out the picture of me next to my turkey leg tomorrow. Oh, I'm going to tweet out a pizza with the onions tomorrow, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was actually going to maybe tell you uh, on the show to get the uh, This Day in History uh, song ready. But uh, I don't know if you know what anniversary today is as we record this, show. 58 years ago. I'll give you that. We're coming around on the eight kerf- years ago. Yeah, we're coming up on the kerfuffle. But fifty-eight years ago, Doctor Who premiered on TV. Joe, I was gonna say it has to be some sort of Doctor Who nonsense, and again, it's the PG so- show, so nonsense. Right. So I just thought you'd like to tell me what about Doctor Who you're thankful for, Joe. I'm thankful there's only two more episodes left this season. <laughs> oh, but then Joe. I no. think New Year's New Year's Day. There's a new one, so it won't be too long. I get I get a I get like a month reprieve. I'm good. There you go. Do you know what I'm thankful for, Joe? That you're not Ricky Rude. No, no. That oh. it, there's not a lot of news this show. We only have a little bit, Joe. Um, <laughs> only have a little up- bit. Yes. A little bit. An update on the Star Wars All Ages property. So that's about it. There. Conventions. Digital sales. What we read last week, which was Nice House on the Lake number six, Superman Son of Kalel number five, and Dark Ages number three. What we're looking forward to this week Todd and Joe have issues, Todd's art attack, and at the end, spoiler filled talk of Legends of Tomorrow and the Doctor Who that Joe is so thankful for. Uh, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. You have to tune in all the way to the end. Hopefully, that's ample enough warning for people, not five seconds worth. Like my appearance on Five Star Match Game. I won't spoil it here. Wow. Wow. (laughs) But I I like times when there's not a lot of news because then we get to talk about more comic books, you know, to kind of even everything out. Right, right. So, so, Todd, you mentioned there, of course, the limited bit of news is where the all-ages Star Wars line is going to. So uh, when Marvel purchased disney and everything under that umbrella went to them that included the star wars comic book line that had been at dark horse for like the better part of like 25 years maybe at the time yeah oh 30 years if you listen to patreon right well you have to remember i think uh marvel started doing star wars comics in like 2016 ish right So that's what I'm saying. It was like 25 years. Oh, fair enough. I'm just saying I know it was around that uh, Dark Empire was about 30 years ago. But go ahead. Right. Uh, So 
Dark Horse had the license. They lose the license. They did like their bulk digital sale right before everything went over to Marvel. <laughs> and Marvel's been putting stuff out quite frequently. And then Marvel was was doing a bunch of all Asia stuff for both Star Wars and Marvel, like the Marvel superhero stuff at IDW. And then about a month ago, they said, IDW and Marvel, that the all ages lines of the Marvel properties were no longer going to be done through IDW. And there was no announcement. And we had speculated on the show. It's like, well, maybe Marvel's going to be bringing them in house. Who knows, right? Mm-hmm. Well, at the very least, we now know that the Mar or the Star Wars all ages stuff is going to Dark Horse. Right? It's back home again somehow. <laughs> I guess. It's, like, so weird, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is it just that Marvel doesn't trust themselves doing all-ages books? Or they care so little about it that they're willing to take a cut to have, like, you know, an independent publisher technically do it for them? Or maybe... The all ages books don't sell as well as the regular, like the, the in continuity. I'm not going to say, I don't know how to like put it. I don't know how the young, you know, the young readers books are, but we know that, um, according to Disney slash Marvel, that all the Marvel comics are in continuity with the movies and they tie in with the books. So it's like, we're going to do those. These sell well, the children's books. Yeah. They're kind of in, you know, like Walmarts and stuff like that or whatever they're, but maybe the money isn't there the way, like all those big issues of star Wars and Darth Vader were proper. Right. That's the only thing I can think of. So it'll be interesting to see if and where the Marvel side of the all ages line shows up, or even if it ever does, if they consider it so, I guess, low as a priority. It'll be at DC, Joe, the oh. all ages Marvel line. You and I will be publishing them, putting together with like crayons and stuff, you know? I got a few artists we can use. Oh, boy. I don't know if their exclusivity contracts will uh, play into that, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or if they're too busy shipping out packages with drawings on them. Oh, there you go. Uh, So, surprisingly, there's conventions this weekend, Todd. I assume it being, you know, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, Leave Me Alone Sunday, whatever the dates are called. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have the Southwest Florida Con in Fort Myers, Florida. Where uh, the architect of the Spider-Clone saga, Tom DeFalco, will be there. <laughs> right, right. And uh, World Wrestling Entertainment Hall of Famer, Coco Beware. Oh, is his bird still alive? No, Frankie perished quite some time ago. Mm, sad to hear. Uh, and then the Northeast Comic Con in Boxborough, Massachusetts. Uh, Jim Steranko is going to be there. Bring your lifts, ladies. <laughs> uh, and also two titans in the world of uh, voice acting, Billy West and Michael Winslow. Oh, my, do you know Michael Winslow does Monday Night Football commercials on ESPN Radio? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, Todd. <laughs> no, I don't. Let's let's just leave it at that. Are they good? Are they fun? Well, they are. They're they're what you think they would be. They're like, oh, call the authorities. Woo, woo, woo. Monday Night Football is going to be a barn burner. And then, you know, like that kind of stuff. And it's all him just doing his sound effects. So mm-hmm. kind of caught me off guard one day when I was listening to ESPN <laughs> in the truck. Got to teach the kids about Michael Winslow. 
Well, if they don't, who's going to – them or Vanilla Ice, that's what you got to do, Joe. Exactly. And then last but not least, this weekend is San Diego Comic-Con Special Edition. Yep. And it looked a little lean on the guest side. Like, the only notable guest that I saw there was Kevin Eastman. There's some other people there. Okay. I, I don't know who off the top of my head, but I know there was more than that on the guest list. No, no. Th- I'm not saying that there isn't more people. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just saying that there's not a ton of notable guests, I guess, oh, would I be the you. best. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I know, like, I mean, it's a weird weekend to do. I remember when New York used to have their special editions um, back in the day that because the, the cons were like in the fall and then in the spring they'd have one. I think this was just trying to recoup some losses this year. See, see if we can get anything. You know what I mean? Maybe the convention center is like, hey, I have a weekend free. Nobody's coming you know, during Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. So I think it's a lot of their, um, uh, they have a lot of exclusives this weekend. I think these are exclusives that have just kind of been shifted around and shifted around, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, this is not, you know, a knock on any of these people, but Greg and Karen Evans of the, uh, the comic Luann or the cartoon okay. Luann are going to be there. Uh, Saya Grace is going to be there, who's done stuff like Iceman and Wonder Woman and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay Lee is going to be there. That's a name. Okay. Uh, d- okay. As I look here, Dustin Nguyen is going to be there. Okay. Right. And that's really it that I recognize. And you're okay. going to kick me on this one for getting this far down to the list. Uh, Brett Spiner is going to be there. Oh, from uh, Night Court. Right, Brent Spiner. And uh, Scott Shaw is going to be there. Scott Shaw is the guy who created Cap- oh, half the team that created Captain Carrot. Um, he- Scott Shaw is one of the founding members of the guys who created San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, really? He's there every year. He ended up having like uh, a leg amputated recently, but he's and he doesn't get to get there much. Well, like because of like the the pandemic and everything, but I I'm actually surprised he's going this year mm-hmm. because of it. Cause he said, you know, with his health and everything, but good for him. Yeah. They have like a little bibliography on him, all the stuff that he did. And it's a lot. And then at the very end, it says Scott was one of those who created San Diego comic-con. Look at me knowing stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, that's why you're here did... to know stuff. Yes. I'm like uh, uh Layla Miller in X Factor. No. Oh. Remember that? I do. She knows things. Is she still around? Is she still kicking? I think she, I don't, I think everybody's still around. You know what I mean? You only die for a little bit. And then there's a flashback to keep the trademark going. Once you're an X-Man, you're an X-Man till the end. Right. There's no backtrack and that sort of thing. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like a jet. Like you're a jet from your first cigarette to your last dying day. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what you're here is to know stuff. I'm here to plug soon to be named network.com soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Uh, all the shows in the soon to be named network, uh, whenever they go live or any of the folks from soon to be named network show up on any other shows, uh, you will find them at soon to be named network.com, whether it be this show, Longbox heroes, Longbox heroes after dark, uh, final wrestling place at odds with wrestling. We need wrestling. Uh, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Argument, Hit My Music, Wings on Wings, that I hear is going to have a very special guest in the near future. 
Mm-hmm. Could be. Uh, for, first in-studio guest uh, for the Wings on Wings crew. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, Porch Talk. And did, I didn't forget anything, did I? Uh, I don't think you did, but I really wasn't listening, so... Oh my god, I'm kidding. I'm just busting you. Uh, and uh related but unrelated, uh a legacy member of the soon to be named network. I had dinner the other night with uh Parlance of Fresher and Parlance. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He's a West Coast Bon Vivant uh busy individual. His jet jet setting, globe trotting lifestyle has limited him to just these continental United States. Mm-hmm. For the better part of the last year, um, but he decided to uh, make Wilkes Bear one of the stops on his global trip for the holiday, and he uh, he and his lovely wife came by, and we had a good time talking to them. See, I was wondering if he came in or he flew you out. You know what I mean? <laughs> I ain't flying nowhere, man. Well, not even with the jet that you still have or the helicopter. No, I had to give that back. It was a helicopter, but I had to give that back. Okay. Um. Of course. Uh, also, check out. A- the sh- in the links uh our friend kevin hellions he just brought his podcast back uh hellions talks this week you check his stuff out over at masklibrary.com uh rick williams chop shop all the cool resin and 3d sci-fi fantasy wrestling stuff that he does uh jason sandberg's jupiter chris runs battle monsters listeners of the show they both self-published comic books uh, you can check those out digitally at Comixology. Those are linked up in every single one of these show posts. Uh, you can also check out our local comic book store, Comics on the Green. Links to them are there. If you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let them be your comic book shop. As Dave and the crew, Max included, uh, do a very thorough, very complete uh, mail order or in-person subscription business, whether you're coming to get your stuff weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, make sure you're getting your stuff. And if you're getting your stuff sent to you when you sign up, don't tell them that you came from us. It doesn't get you anything extra, but, you know, might, you know, get us the thanks. Uh, but you might get a, a sketch or something from our friend Becky on your package. You could check out her process, her everything that she does on her social media. Like I said, all that's linked up in the show notes on every single one of these posts. Mm-hmm. We got a bunch of sales, of course. Uh, We're heading into, as mentioned, Black Friday, uh, Cyber Monday, Leave Me Alone Sunday, and uh, (laughs) Small Business Saturday. Tons of stuff on sale, Todd. If you are so inclined as a digital comic book type person. So it's always so strange to me when you're big companies like this. So like Dark Horse is having something called the Turkey Five sale, right? Right. It's pretty much a line-wide sale. It's everything's on sale, okay? Mm-hmm. DC's having a Black Friday sale. It's pretty much everything's on sale, right? Uh, Image and Dynamite and Valiant are having uh, graphic novel sales. It's pretty much everything's on sale, but in, like, graphic novel form, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, IDW and Valiant and Oni Press... Uh, are having a best of sale. And that's a more cultivated, a more, you know, hand-picked list, let's say, right? Right. But then you have Marvel, who breaks everything up into, like, six different sales. <laughs> You've got a champion sale. You've got a latest and greatest sale, which has a lot of, like, books from the 90s in it, which isn't really latest, but maybe it's greatest. 
Then they have an Epic Collections sale, which, you know, makes sense. That's like your Epic Collections. And then they're having a separate sale on Hawkeye uh, because the new TV show coming out. I would feel as though the Hawkeye stuff should be in latest and greatest. And is it wasn't Hawkeye on the champions before? I think so. I'm not a big, a big Hawkeye guy as you are, so right. I don't remember, but probably. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I say sale, okay, mm-hmm. this Hawkeye sale, you can get the first trade digitally of Hawkeye, the Matt Fraction, David Aha run, for 99 cents. That's a pretty good deal. That's usually what they put a book on sale for. Like a single issue, not an entire trade of stuff. Uh, but right. the first trade is ninety nine cents. Trades two, three, and four are two bucks each. So oh, you doubled. can literally get one of the greatest runs in modern comic history for less than seven dollars digitally. Right, that's how they get you. They charge you one dollar for the first trade, then they double the price, Joe. <laughs> which is which is still, uh, you know. 80% off the normal cover price. <laughs> right. Great deal. <sighs> but if you've never read that Matt Fraction Hawkeye thing, or if you watch the TV show, and, uh, you know, we'll get into that toward TV's talk here a little bit later on, but you have until next week to pull the trigger on that. But I tell mm-hmm. you, man, if you got seven bucks laying around, if you're The Rock, and your decisions are start a company from scratch, or read this <laughs> Matt Fraction run on Hawkeye, eh, I say go with the reading the comic book. You know, that's just me. I would go with that, too. I don't know anything about no company, but I do know about good comics. So, <laughs> uh, so like I said, all the links to all of those will be in the show notes, of course, like everything else. Uh, Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. All right. I'm going to start with what we were both looking forward to, which was Nice House on the Lake number six, uh, James Tinian uh, writing and Alvaro Martinez Bueno on art. Um, and this is the, you know, cliffhanger at six, sixth issue until it comes back at Substack. Um, basically. Come on uh, now. I know I'm going to do it every time. Uh, th- as we last saw, uh, the, there was another person who was at the house but he was trapped in this area and they they got him out his name is reg and he begins to explain like <clears throat> like last issue he's like well, we still have a chance to, i believe we still have a chance to save the world so he ends up like saying stuff like i know everything that's going on here because i found transcripts there's transcripts of everything and people who have been making plays behind the scenes are like transcripts of everything and reg is like we don't have time for that but yes i know everything so as this goes on he starts to say um back in the day uh when he was asked what you know him and some other friends were asked like what the the ending would be like it seems vaguely eerily similar to what actually happened and he ends up talking to reg and maybe reg knows more than he's letting on because he has a talk uh, Walter reveals himself that he's actually something different, but then kind of wipes his, his memory and, uh, like basically says the end is coming and he's got to find, like, he loves some people and he's the best of the best. He's got to find, he's got like a, 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 a thing going on. And Reg is like, so I've talked to him and I kind of remember it now. And we have to make this work. If we make this work, we can save the world. I don't even believe the world is destroyed. And basically Walter shows up and goes, 
uh, this isn't this isn't the way you should kind of be doing it. Like it, this is going to end badly, and he ends up kind of rebooting everything. And uh, we're st- we're we're at the nice house of the lake, and everybody's getting along and doing stuff. And I'm like, hmm, first of all, I don't believe Reg is everything that he says he is. And uh, second of all, the only thing I want to say is I think you know, saying that this ending of this issue is going to be a big cliffhanger. I think if he had ended on last issues, it would have been a big, big cliffhanger because I'm not 100% sure what's going on at the end of issue six, if that makes any sense. So I, I think he kind of misspoke on that one, but all in all still, you know, a good issue. So I agree with you that the fifth issue was more of your cliffhangery thing. Mm-hmm. But I liked this issue because it attempted to explain the motives. Okay. And to show that we really can't trust people's their memories because their memories definitely have been altered and changed many times. Mm-hmm. And who knows how many times they've actually been at the house. You know what I mean? Right. And because time is like so weird and everything with it. Um, the fact that we get this bit of the why, I guess, like we, mm. we, we speculated as to what the why was. And now we know what the why is. And but now to, the, I was going to say, not trying to be funny, but do we know what the why is? Well, I, so we, the reader, are being told what the why is. And again, I, I don't want to be spoilery, right? Mm-hmm. We'll maybe do, like, spoilery stuff another day. But we, the reader, are being told what the why is along with some of the principles in the book. Mm-hmm. And then the principles in the book get their mind wiped. So they forget what the why is. But we, the readers, don't have that happen to us, you know? Right, but I'm going down the line of is I don't even trust Reg. Okay. Reg was was locked away, blah, 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 and they ended up busting him out, and now he's part of the house or whatever. But I'm like, so is Reg, like, to me at this point, not only is Walter an unreliable narrator, so is Reg. I'm like, I don't know why I'm getting a bad vibe from him, and I don't trust even the story he told. And I think... His mind, because he knows so much, he's pretending to be mind-wiped each time. I think he's in on it somehow. But that's just me being very, like, conspiracy theory, so. I'm willing to take Reg at face value. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, that's just me, though. Now we have, what, a seven-month wait? Six months, they said? No. So it, it claims that it'll be ready to go in March. Mm-hmm. Um, claims that it'll be ready to go in March. And we'll know next month in the December solic- December we'll have the March solicitations available to us. So we'll know for sure if it's going to be at DC or if it's going to be <laughs> elsewhere. Oh, the S word. Yes. <laughs> Oh boy, but again, I have I have faith. We're trying to be uh, a little vague on this because we don't want to have it too spoilery. But uh, longtime listener, friend of the show, um, the Mad Basis mentioned like we should do some sort of like like thing where we 
all the times that we talked about it, you know? Right. I think we did miss an episode, an issue though, because something big came out that week. Or did we yeah, do that? I think six? we, I, I have to go double check that. Right. But if we have all six issues discussed, maybe we'll just, uh, talk up a little, like just a little something spoilery filled thing, you know? No, I get you. Yeah. Uh, so I guess next book that we talked is one I know for sure that we skipped an issue on. We talked about issue one. We did not talk about issue two, but we are going to talk about issue three of Dark Ages number three, written by Tom Taylor with art by Ivan Coelho. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an alternate universe, alternate take reality on the Marvel universe where all the power is gone and it was done to stop some creature that was at the center of the earth from taking over the earth. Uh, all these little groups have kind of been building themselves up and one in secret is run by apocalypse where they have been attempting to recharge the world essentially have the controlling source of all the energy, electricity, what have you. And to do so, uh, apocalypse has been willingly and unwillingly collecting some of the greatest minds in the Marvel universe except for one, and they have Magneto <laughs> hooked up to a giant machine and are essentially attempting to use him as a battery. Right. So Tony Stark goes missing. Uh, some of the ex-folks discover that, you know, uh, Pepper Potts, like, well, I saw T- Tony go this way with Steve Rogers. Ex-folks, X-23 specifically, is like, no, this doesn't smell like Steve. He smells like, I forget what she said that he smells like, but it was really funny. I'm looking at it right now because it's my favorite line in the book. She's like, Captain America wasn't here. Captain America smells like a sturdy oak table and duty. Someone else was here. Right, and they figure out that, that it was Mystique. Uh, they send Quicksilver. They're like, okay, well, we know we think we could get a lead on him. We could follow where Tony went to. Quicksilver could go in, uh, and he'll be in and out before they know it. Uh, however, it doesn't quite work out that way. Uh, there's a casualty, and though I would say at the very least, the number one, at least by one podcast's opinion. And at least in the top five uh, smartest people in the Marvel Universe are on the side of good for now. Mm-hmm. And uh, they know that it's time to strike. So I really like this book. Um, you know, I'm not really much for like these alternate universe takes lately. Um, mm-hmm. But if there's a good creative team on it and Tom Taylor kind of cut his teeth doing a lot of this stuff at DC. Uh, this felt like it was supposed to be like maybe a big event type thing that was supposed to come out last year. The pandemic put a kibosh on it. At least the way that it was advertised, it was supposed to be. Uh, right. But I like the fact that it's its own little, like, alternate universe thing. It gives me, like, you know, and it's obviously because Apocalypse is in the lead. It gives me, like, Age of Apocalypse vibes, you know? Right. Um, I'm with you on all that. Uh, uh, I definitely feel at some point that that person you're talking about, someone's going to look around and go, has anyone seen insert proper name here? And uh, we'll be like, okay. But uh, I, I like the way, you know, things went down. Like, what you know, tripped up, uh, Pietro. He's like, uh, he's like, Oh, okay. You know, this slowed him down for a second and the ramifications of that and the ramification that has on one specific character getting certain news and then something happening. It's like that character is stretched real thin. And I'm like, I'm looking forward to see where this is going, especially after like the first couple issues and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I mean, 
I'm riveted to it. I'm more of a sucker for alternate timelines or like, you know, what if stories. Uh, and this one is keeping me, you know, on board. So I'm looking forward to the rest of the issues. For sure. And then uh, last but not least, another one that you had suggested. Uh, I, I think this is a hot book right now, right? Yeah, it is. Though I will say this. They gave uh, retailers enough time to up their orders. At uh, A lot of people were saying, oh, they spoiled things for this issue. But I heard our retailers saying, I was able to order enough to fill all the you know, the, the, the people that wanted them that called me up the day after uh, they announced it. So right. I, I give DC credit for doing that, but eh, it did kind of spoil it. But hey, if it makes my retailer money, I get to buy more comics. Exactly. So. And that is Superman, Son of Kal-El, number five, which we were butchering the title of last week when we were talking about it. Uh, written also by Tom Taylor, art by John Timms. Uh, there's another one where we talked about issue one, and we talked about this issue here. Uh, but we talked about how this kind of set up uh, John with his own kind of rogues gallery, even though the Justice League is in this. Um, but it also sets him up with technically his own Lex Luthor, Henry Bendix, who's the president, Grand Poobah, person in charge of the island nation of Gamora, which trips me up every time because there already is a Gamora in comics. Right. And there's there's guards that are that, too. Gamorian. Right. I'm Darth Nihilus. But anyway. Um, so at the end of issue four... Um, Jonathan goes to confront Bendix, uh, accusing him of blowing up Ma and Pa Kent's farmhouse with him. Uh, and I forget the, the friend's name. Mm -hmm. I don't know it off the top of my head. Sorry. Okay. So, uh, goes and accuses, uh, doesn't accuse Bendix of doing this, but asks Bendix, did you do this? Uh, Bendix is like, you can't come here. John leaves, Bendix trips something, which ends up super overpowering and overcharging uh, Jonathan. So it's like one of those things that we've seen and heard before in a Superman comic where, you know, Superman's powers get supercharged and he can hear everything. And it's just so super overwhelming. Well, uh, Jonathan is new to this, so he attempts to help every problem that he hears and sees and so forth. And it seems as though this was Bendix's plan uh, in that he was trying to supercharge Jonathan, to overwork Jonathan, to take him off the table for a period of time. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happens in this issue. Yes, and that character's name is Jay, by the way. Jay? Uh, J-A-Y, yes. Okay, so Jay is there to help him. Uh, Jay is the head of the revolution. Um, that Jonathan may or may not have officially joined yet, but he's getting very close to it. Uh, Jay assists Jonathan by putting some noise-canceling headphones on him to help dampen everything that he's hearing, and then Jonathan loses nine hours of time when he kind of passes out from being overcharged. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I trust Jay. I think I, I do. I actually do trust Jay. Okay. I'm in the I'm in the J camp, so but all right. Still leaves to, uh, uh, to be desired. 
Okay. But I do like this issue for like the reason you said, I do like the trope of, you know, overpowering Superman. It's like, oh, how do we, you know, what's his greatest weakness is like overpowering him. But I like the fact that, you know, uh, John stands up and he's like, you know what? You think you're going to knock me down? I'm going to save everybody if I'm supercharged. And he goes off. But then there's like the bit where Jay's like, hey, like you seem weak now. Like, but we don't understand how this works. Uh, yeah, but he's like, I'm Kryptonian. He's like, no, 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 you're half Kryptonian. We like, there's, there's never been anybody like you. So we don't know what all this stuff does. So I kind of like the idea of like John. Yes, John is a Kryptonian, but he's also a human. Like he's not Superman. There's differences and we could play with that in the story and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely did enjoy this issue. And there's been a good run on this book. Um, Luckily, a book that's getting a lot of uh, publicity and a lot of play and a lot of mention uh, is actually good as well. Yes, that's important. Yes, because uh, it's it's a good thing for everyone to know that comics are there and able to read and so forth. It's another thing for those comics to actually be good and hopefully keep people coming back and coming back and coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's everything we read from this past week. Right. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, uh, whether you think they're going to go to Substack, but you got to wait at least two <laughs> months before you find out. Before Warren, before Arm, know what's coming out this week. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, I am in the lead with three correct guesses over Todd and with only doing my gazintas here, six weeks left in the calendar year. It's still anyone's ball game. Yes. Unless I mess it up this week. Um, I'm looking over your list and I've narrowed it down to two, Joe narrowed it down to two. Um, but I have to pull the trigger um, is the book you're looking forward to most Hulk number one? It is Hulk number one. And uh, written by Donny Cates, and I forget who the artist on it is. Um, but I would also guess Ot- that the book... Oh, sorry. Is it Otley? Uh, is it Ryan Otley? I don't know. Um, okay. I'm going to guess maybe not. Okay. Give me two seconds. Look at you. It is Ryan Otley. You are correct. I stand yep. corrected. Todd was correct again. Layla Miller of the Longbox Heroes uh, podcast. <laughs> and I'm going to say that Hulk number one is your uh, book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week as well. I have a soft spot for the Hulk. So anytime he's going to smash, I'm coming along for the ride. And, uh, you know, we we like the Immortal Hulk quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the follow-up, and it's by a creative team, at the very least, the writer of which that we like very much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. A nice, lean week. I have been uh, I've been catching up. I've been making a dent on the pile, you know? Right. Um, I'm all, I'm actually kind of all caught up myself. I've been, I've been falling into the Joe bad uh, habits and, and letting books pile up. But I'm almost, I have one or two left from last week, and then I'll probably get all caught up this week. I'd rather not talk about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done together, whether we passed episodes of this show, 
uh, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. And the nearly completed for 2021, <laughs> Todd and Joe have issues as we're going through the Palmiotti and Gray run on Jonah Hex and the much maligned Spider Clone Saga. Oh, yes, it is. So I go first because I started, right? Yes. Okay. So my issue was Spider-Man 69, um, which starts out with the Hobgoblin, you know, giving Cell 12 a dressing down, Joe. Like, you know, how dare you kind of thing. I gave you, uh, you only had to beat up one man. That man was Spider-Man, though. And uh, so do you know how much it costs? You know, you're all beat up. Do you know how much, you know, underworld uh, doctors cost? And he ends up just pumpkin bombing them all. So nice knowing yourself. Well, you know, kind of a deal. Um, they had so a good run. To, yeah. Oh, a strong run. It wasn't the run Wild Whip had, but it was good. Um, so we cut to Spider-Man doing his best Batman, dropping uh a uh, underworld doctor off a roof and then like catching him kind of a thing until he gives up, you know, where, uh, hobgoblins at. So he's like, okay. He's like, but how did you find me? He's like, I've got connections. You might say I've got a brother and cut to probably the best scene in the entire like spider clone run is MJ and Peter trying on wigs, which totally like dresses down the whole bit of this thing. He's like, he's wearing a blonde wig. He's like, what was he thinking? Who could this possibly fool? And I'm like, okay, that's kind of, kind of funny. So, uh, he's like, oh, we have to go off to, uh, uh, you know, and uh, not MJ, J, uh, J Jonah Jameson wants to see us. So he goes off and, but somebody's watching him saying, um, Mr. Parker, your life seems to be going along just fine. We'll have to see what we can, what more we can do about that. And I'm like, okay. Um, Ben in Spider-Man swings over to the coffee shop and he ends up telling them, um, I know who did this to your shop. And I'm going to make sure they see justice. And they're like, Ben, you know, Ben, it's like, no, Ben didn't do it. Um, they never did the, the, the bad things that he says, and I'm going to prove it. And she says, I hope you can for Ben's sake. So Peter and MJ go to the daily, uh, the daily bugle. I almost said the daily planet. And he's like, Oh, it's like old home week, all the faces. I only recognize some of them. Um, but uh, I don't know who Charlie Snow is. I don't know who Ann McIntosh is. I know who Betty Brant and Ben Urich, Ehrlich is. Ken Ellis we met in this run. Angela Yin and Glory Grant, I have no idea. And obviously obviously Robbie, I know. But uh, they offer him a job at uh, the Bugle again. It's like Jonas Lee. He's like, oh, thanks, Jonas. like, wasn't me. It was Robbie. He's like, sure, sure it was. Kind of a deal. So outside, uh, uh, Ben ends up coming to Peter, you know, in costume, but that's cool because, you know, it makes him look like Peter was never uh, Spider-Man. He says, I need your help with something. We're going to go and find out he's going to take down the Hobgoblin. And we cut to the Hobgoblin who's all mad because, or sad or whatever. He's like, cause he's got, he's got nothing but these implants and mechanical things. And, uh, Gaunt shows up and he ends up telling him we're doing nothing now. You're done. Your play in this is, is, is over. If I see you, if you try to find me, you're dead. Um, just like cell 12. He's like, and how about it's like cell 12. He's like, no, I'm allowing you to live for now, but I am cutting you off. Um, as I will some day undoubtedly be cut off by the one who I am working for. Um, Spider-Man is coming. 
mess them up, hurt them as much as you want. But if you kill them, you know, look out. So Gaunt leaves uh, Spider-Man and Hobgoblin have a fight and he ends up goading him into, uh, into webbing and basically confessing to it all that he did like the, the burning down of the, 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 the coffee shop and everything. So they take him in. Um, and then at the end, they're sitting in the, in the coffee shop and Peter tells Ben, he's like, Hey, um, I was offered a job at, at the bugle. Um, me and MJ are thinking of staying here. Um, I was just wondering is if that's okay with you. Is that going to be, and then a glass smashes and Ben's like, Peter and MJ's like, what? It's like, lighten up, guys. Not everything is, in, in bold type, everything is a conspiracy. The glass was defective. It just happens. Um, so what's your answer? Welcome back, Peter. Luckily, that was just a defective glass, Joe. I hope nobody was hurt or cut or anything. Right, um, not Peter's powers spiking back and returning, possibly. No, it couldn't be that. Definitely couldn't not. be that at all. Oh, it's an issue. Whatever. Gets rid of Yeah, it was, just, it was just more or less like kind of closing the loop on like the Hobgoblin's entry into all of this. Um, Peter or Ben getting his name cleared with the Daily Grind folks and Peter and Peter and MJ staying in New York. And finding out that uh, now it's still f- finding out that uh, Gaunt is under someone else's control. Can't uh-huh. wait to find out who that is, Joe. Uh, <laughs> it could it, it could be anyone. Mm-hmm. Could be anyone. Well, no, let's. <laughs> I was going to start naming stupid people who it could or could not be. Mm-hmm. So you uh, mean all the Spider-Man rogues? No, how dare you? You said stupid. And it's the fourth best Spider-Man rogues gallery. Has the best comics. rogues gallery of all. No. Second best. I'm sorry. Second best. Third. Fourth. Third at most, but most likely fourth. But anyway, Jonah Hex, Joe. All right, Jonah Hex, uh, 63. Um, so Jonah is set onto the path. Uh, so I like in the beginning where they're like, uh, you know, Jonah, I know you've dealt with some of the uh, hardest people imaginable. Uh, Sawbones, Papagayo, uh, them sisters that cut men's arms off and kept them in a barn like pigs. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't, they didn't, they didn't get a cute name like the rest of them, you know? Right. Uh, so in this instance, Jonah is set onto the path of a man just named Loco, right? Right. Now you need to fill me in here. The way that the scenes are framed, like obviously there's like a lawman who's wearing a sheriff's badge, but like, is Jonah on the side of the law in this issue? Because of course time is always wibbly wobbly, time be windy, you know? Right, no, they're just, uh, he's holding a wanted poster, and they want him to get Loco, so he's a bounty hunter, go get him. Okay. It just, uh, and again, it's just, maybe it's my poor reading comprehension, it's just the fact that, like, Jonah's sitting at a desk, they're obviously in, like, the jail, uh, it appears as though they've come to approach him, as a, like, like, Jonah would be standing in my mind if... If he had come to them, do you get where my mind is? I get what you, but see, I think he's doing a baller alpha male move when he's sitting in the sheriff's desk. Yeah. They're all like, kind of like, oh, like, you know, could you do this? And he's like, yeah, I'll get out of your chair in a minute when, you know, when we're done here. Right. Uh, so the, there's the sheriff, there's the banker, there's Mr. Fassbender there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they say that this man, Loco, uh, has 
uh, unofficially scalped 47 people, all women, um, and they want him back, uh, seemingly dead or alive. Um, so Mr. Fassbender is the bank owner. My apologies. Uh, they came from San Francisco, and this guy is like all mutilated. He's missing an eye. He's got a big giant scar. Uh, he's missing an ear, missing a bunch of fingers. And apparently, not only did Loco kill his family, wife, and children, but maybe made this guy do stuff to them that we can't even speak about in this non-comics code approved DC comic, not Vertigo book. Right, right. Uh, so Jonah goes on the trail of Loco, and this is where his scout, Tavasi, comes to assist him. Uh, Tavasi appears to possibly be like an old Apache-type fella, right? Mm-hmm. And he gives Jonah some information about which way to go, um, kind of gives him a little bit more information, says like a week ago they were, you know, traveling from the West. Uh, he's currently a day's ride from where we are. Uh, Tavasi attempts to get Jonah to have a drink, uh, but Jonah feels as though something is up. And we get a flashback to young Jonah uh, and his uh, young friend who were out by the fishing hole. And, right. uh, you know, this the, already on this, uh, the art on this is uh, Jordi Bernay, right? Yes, and I just want to say that the 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 Indian guy tells him, and they've captured a he's captured a kid, a little boy. Oh, that's right, that's right. And that's what triggers this memory. But go ahead. Right. Uh, so uh, Jonah is like, "Hey, there's like this creep that showed up. We really should get out of here." Uh, <laughs> to his buddy Aaron, Aaron's like, "No, I'm going to stay with this creep." Essentially. Right. Uh, so Jonah goes back home. Uh, Aaron's family comes looking and they say that you, you know, you were with Aaron. Did you see where he went? Um, no, they bring a guy in that they suspect. And obviously it's a different light on this, but Jonah says, yeah, that's the guy. Uh, so Jonah's dad, uh, with the posse goes off with this man and at the funeral for Aaron, the little boy, uh, Jonah asks his dad, what did you guys do to that guy? And Woodson, Jonah's dad, says, we tortured him, we cut out his eyes, and we watched him die slowly. Mm -hmm. Jonah's like, why, is his why his eyes? So we would be the last thing he saw before he went to hell. Ooh, <laughs> boy, that's chilling. Yep. Uh, so like I said, Tavasi uh, is like, hey, Jonah, let's have a drink. And uh, Jonah hits him with the uh, the Old West equivalent of, I didn't say I had floor, four flat tires. <laughs> right. When he catches them, uh, that the family was coming from San Francisco. Uh, and Jonah's like, well, you didn't say that before. Uh, he postulates, and I would say rightfully so, that Tavasi may have been bought off by Loco. And, uh, you know, Jonah maybe overacts a little bit and... Uh, Decides to put up the fire that Tavasi said might draw some attention with Tavasi himself. Yep. Uh, so that was enough for Loco and his men to spot where Jonah was. They ascertained that Jonah, where he is, no way he'd be able to ride it out. We're going to sleep, and in the morning, we're going to go down to get him. But of course, you don't get one over on Jonah. Uh, Loco wakes up. His men are slaughtered. He's hogtied near the kettle. 
Uh, Jonah says, take me to the boy from that family that you that you hoodwinked or hornswoggled a week ago. Uh, Jonah drags him very roughly through the desert, uh, brings him to the home where they are, and they don't really get into that much of a description of what has happened. We just know that it's bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, again, even in this non-Comics Code-approved, non-Vertigo DC mainline title, I'm sure there's only certain lines they can cross, right? Right. Um. So... We see Jonah burn, like, whatever that town down is, tells the sheriff, uh, Fassbender, and the other gentlemen that were there, uh, says, I reckon you'll sleep better not knowing the particulars of Loco's fate. Uh, they speculate, well, how could we be sure that he's dead? All we have is your word. And Jonah leaves a box on the table, and in the box, presumably, is Loco's eyes. Just like yep. what his father did to the bo- the man who did whatever he did to Jonah's young front friend Aaron all those years ago. Yeah. Uh, but this was a really good issue. I like this a lot. Yep. The only maybe problem that I like had with it, but then it comes around to what we've talked about before is that Jody, Jordy Bernays art is a little goofy for like the guy, the creep guy who comes out of the woods. He looks more funny than creepy at times and then the eyes at the end are kind of like obviously it's supposed to be creepy and cartoonish but we come into that thing where we've talked about before where it's like if you have like a very like realistic artist then it becomes really disgusting you know what i mean so you're walking that fine line but uh i i think i could have handled a little more of the disgust but uh i've got i've come around on jordy brunet as a jonah hex artist i well it really wasn't a fan when it first started i don't think we have many many more issues or any more issues with him but uh yeah, I've come around on him. So, no, I, I remember many, many moons ago, uh, you had said of like all the regular Jonah artists that he was probably your least favorite. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with all the Jonah stuff that I've read here, I'm like, oh, you know, I, I quite like his work, you know? Yep, I've changed my tune a little bit. Yeah, and that's the name of that tune, Jack. Mm hmm. Uh, so next week, uh, we're back to two and two, uh, as we got issues 64 and 65 of Jonah Hex, and Spectacular Spider-Man 240 and Sensational Spider-Man 11. Okay. So in between the wrap-up that we had here in issue 69, we, in the timeline, are um, jumping ahead six months. Because oh. Todd, for the, the next six months of the actual reading of the Spider-Clone saga, nothing happened. What? Are you saying they padded it, Joe? <sighs> I think they were making some uh, amends, some mea culpas, some how do you do's. I don't know what they were doing. They were doing something. I gotcha. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so that'll, you know, obviously we'll have the uh, that issue up. And uh, it's, you know, time for all the revelations. Who was everyone? Why was everyone? And how do we get to where we are now with all the uh, Spider-Clone Saga stuff? I can hardly wait for it to end. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did. We had one art attack from one at Mang Matt. Hey, Todd's Art Attack. I got my first Annie the Kitty art with my cot green order today. Finally seeing how the other half lives, my response would be, 
Um, and he got a picture of Jason, and it says, when Jason tells a joke, it kills Joe. Oh, Jason, you scamp, you. I, I do like the fact that uh, Matt Mang or Mang Matt, whatever his Twitter handle is, has not found a good comic book shop in his area. Well, yeah, he heard, he said there's one down there, but I think he has stuff that he ordered. He has to buy yet. So oh, okay. Gotcha. Maybe then he'll abandon ship, but I hope not. For sure. Luckily, we luckily this area will have his hooks in him for our hooks in the him forever. Oh yeah, you can go away, but you you know you can't get away. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Todd, how's things looking at the football uh, pigskin pickums? Um, they're looking great. Um, I could be doing a little bit better, but you know how it is. Um, I'm looking to see right now who's in first place because it's not me. Um, it is, I believe, Sclo- uh, Sclodo. Sclodo? I don't know how to say that. Coach Boss's boys and me are tied for the second place. So I still have a chance. I'm ahead of King Marcus, Hairstar, and Vansky, so that's all that matters. Uh-huh. But, uh, and you're... Still not on the first page yet. Uh, I'm 31st place, man. I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it real. You know, keeping it respectable. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you know, I know uh, there are people who take this stuff very seriously, and I say good luck to you. That's right. And I'm just, I'm so sad. Jake Strap has dropped to the seventh place. So hopefully <laughs> he'll get back into first or not. You know. I don't know why that drives me wild, but anyway. <laughs> and I know Todd is good at sending out the tweet reminder, but I'll make the verbal reminder here. Don't forget to do your picks. Uh, if you haven't already done your week 12 picks, make sure the picks take and make sure that the picks get submitted because the uh, new ESPN, uh, We at the beginning of the year, we were like, oh, this is so much easier to get in. But the <laughs> fact that it physically does not accept your picks or register your picks, uh, it's a bit of a problem. Yeah, that would be. And this week you want to get in early because the Thursday night game is usually at 8 o'clock. But yes. this week because it's Thanksgiving, we have the noon and the 4 o'clock game on Thanksgiving, which the 4 o'clock game is Raiders at uh, at Dallas. So I have to just stop everybody up at my family's get-together and be like, everybody shut up. The Raiders are playing or you're going to get some of this. No, oh, the, my fist. the Cowboys, a rare non-rival team for the Raiders. No, that's one of the Raiders' 31 rivals in the NFL show. (laughs) Well, while you're over at Longbox Heroes as well, be sure to check out our store where we got shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. Uh, You can head over to our T public store, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes, where you can get designs inspired by this show, by After Dark, by Final Wrestling Place, by At Odds with Wrestling, by hit my music on anything and everything from cell phone covers to notebooks and in between. Uh, We are in the midst of a 35% off sale. I think there's only one more day left in the month of November where things are not 35% off. I think it's next Mm -hmm. Tuesday. Don't buy next Tuesday. Buy any other day for the rest of the month. 35% off anything that you get from there. Uh, You could also support us by signing up for our Patreon. Dollar a month, $5 a month. Uh, we had to get rid of the other, uh, tier levels. <laughs> um, you could listen to after dark this week for explanations as to why those had to go away. Uh, but either one is going to get you our two bonus shows every month, uh, previewing the past where we look at 
30 years ago this month's previews catalog and six never seen movies. Todd assigns me six movies. I assign Todd six movies. Neither one has seen these movies. And we talk about them. The $5 folks gets the episodes two weeks before everyone else and gets After Dark two days before everyone else so that they can listen to these shows in the correct listening order and get some of those uh, inside jokes uh, as though you were recording right alongside Todd and myself. Right. You can even get news before uh, other stuff with other podcasts too, Joe. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm teasing what podcast Todd is going to be on. If you listen to After Dark this week, you'll know what podcast Todd is going to be on. There you go. That's what I like. That gets cross cross pollination right there, Joe. Yes. Uh, and another way, lastly, of course, that you could support us and help us out. Uh, we mentioned a bunch of times, of course, Black Friday is upon us. Many people do online shopping. No better place to do your online shopping than through Amazon.com. No better way to get to Amazon.com is through our affiliate link. Banner at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. They, Amazon, do not charge you anything extra. They do call it an advertising fee because if it was not for us, you would not know that Amazon exists. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the advertising fee. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases uh, from the Amazon click-through this past week include a Yoner heart wooden thumb page holder for book lovers. Ooh, I wonder if that would help scan previews. No, and I don't think this would either. A Glausent LED neck reading light. Uh, It's a book light for reading in bed, Todd. Well, why would you want to read a neck? Right, I don't know. All right, whatever. Maybe it's, whatever. Like, maybe it's like the side of the neck. You want to look at the line work on the tattoo that's on the neck, but I don't know. A, a good neck tattoo's hard to find, Joe. Oh, I've never seen a good one. <laughs> uh, and also, somebody purchased uh, the Lego Video, and that's V I D I Y O Folk Fairy Beatbox and Metal Dragon Beatbox. I tell you, man, Lego is constantly coming up with new stuff. Um, you know, all the time. I remember when I was a kid, it's like, you got the city, you got the Duplos, and then maybe you got the ones that have a motor in it. That's it. Right. Like, you just had your different brands of Legos. Like, you want the police station or the fire station? Or perhaps a castle, you know? Yeah. And that was your choice. Yeah, everything's branded, even outside of any of the, excuse me, any of the licenses that they have. Uh, they have, like, all these, like, little music characters and stuff. It's pretty interesting if your kid's into that sort of stuff, you know? Right. And at least Lego's super cheap, right, Joe? Uh, you know what? I'll say this. These ones are reasonably priced. Uh, these okay. ones appear to be uh, in the range of, like, 15 to $25 at the most part. That's why – but because I, I know what Lego is. That's why I never went down the Lego rabbit hole. So <laughs> you You could get cheap sets. It's just when – you're like, oh, I want a scale replica of the Millennium Falcon. Well, that's going to cost you $300, you know? Yep. yep I yep. want the entire train station from t- from Harry Potter. That's going to be a Oof. couple hundred bucks. And then yep. you get into the things where it's like Jerry's apartment from Seinfeld, the coffee shop from Friends. Those are like a hundred couple buck things too. But then you have to bear in mind that like there's licensee stuff involved in that. So that's why a lot of times those things are a little bit more expensive. Yep. The stuff that's the in-house Lego branded stuff, of course, you can get a little bit cheaper of a price because there's not an additional licensing fee on top of it. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, lastly, say a lot of a lot of the not like gigantic Marvel sets are very reasonably priced as well. I remember there was one a couple years back that was like Modoc's Laboratory, mm-hmm. and it came with like Modoc, two AIM figures, a Captain America, Spider Man, and a Hulk, and right. it was like seventy five bucks. Weren't you after a Captain Cold uh, figure from a set that I, you just you had a? Yeah, yes. I was after a Captain Cold minifigure many, many moons ago, but that ship has sailed. Oh, okay. You can get, like, the bootleg ones from many a seller online or in person, but, you know, maybe we'll maybe we'll revisit that another day, you know? Yeah, you could have probably got one over the weekend if you wanted. Possibly. Mm-hmm. We forgot to talk and, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Things slipped off. Obvi- obviously, obviously nothing important happened or could you didn't bring it up. Very true. Very true. Ah, we'll very discuss, good. but anyway. All right. Maybe next week. Make a note. Making it now. All right. So uh, I think it's just now time to get into TV talk, huh? Yes. All right. So I will start with Legends of Tomorrow. Okay. And this episode title is called Do Do X Latrina. Okay. Yes, oh, those legends with their clever titles, I tell you. Their uh, their hilarity knows no satiety. So, this is a time travel show done right. <laughs> For now. So, we get, I, I let's say, our three major plot threads, but there is a lot going on uh, in this episode, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that the main plot is our legends are stranded. Uh, looking around, they think that they are in maybe the prehistoric era. Worried about some dinosaurs. We better get some shelter, get some firewood, get some food, get something. They're not. We'll find out where they are shortly when we come back to them as they all pair off and do their little things. Uh, our B story, which is almost as equally as important, is the origin of Bishop. And the origin of Bishop is how it ties into the Bishop who we saw before. And this is one of those time travel paradoxes is that more or less he creates his own origin story. Mm -hmm. And this is where we find out who has the other wave rider. It's him. Uh, We find out who has been sending and why uh, been sending the robots uh, Elliot Ness and Thomas Edison's Why Not Clones? Why Robots? Um, we find out what happens to Ava Prime. We find out how Bishop becomes arguably the original Time Master. And we find out that the Bishop that we kind of sort of knew throughout whatever it was, he himself was a robot because this Bishop was being kept on this Wave Rider by what I guess you would say is evil Gideon to Mm -hmm. do his duties as a time Lord, which he thinks are to stop the legends. But then when he's reading up on his own future history, he finds out that the legends are actually the good guys and that the legends tried to help him and give him a chance for redemption. And this is what he's doing with it. And it's like a whole big time paradox of his whole thing. But they did it in a way that kind of made sense to a stupid person like me. Right. 
So back on Earth, wherever the legends think they are, um, we get a whole bunch of like little things of like Nate trying to figure out if he's going to go and live in the totem with Zari. Uh, we get Zari having the moment with Dr. Davies in regards to the origin of why he's so like gun shy and kind of untrustworthy and kind of unsure of himself. And you were right again, third time this episode, you were right. I'm like Layla Miller. I know things <laughs> with the necklace around uh, the necklace that he has was his compatriot when they were in war. And because Dr. Davies froze, it cost his friend his life. And whether it was requited or unrequited, they had a love that cannot speak its name in 1916 or 1925. Uh, but Zari kind of gives him the confidence to kind of get it together. And while they're in the woods, they get ambushed by some Russian soldiers, get taken back to their base. So obviously they know that they're not in prehistoric times, but it's at this time that they find out that they're in 1986 Russia, the day before the Chernobyl incident. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's at this point, Dr. Davies decides, so uh, Barat comes to save them, gets the pieces that they're missing for the time machine. The time machine failed because there was too many people in it. It wasn't built to have that many people in it. Excuse me. Um, Barat is the one that finds out that we're a day away from the Chernobyl incident. Dr. Davies decides he speaks a little Russian, so he's going to tell as many people as he can through the PA to evacuate because there's going to be a disaster in the hopes that saving some of these people uh, are going to help his conscience and the loss that he suffered years prior in losing the love of his life. And uh, Gary and Gideon do it. Did I cover everything? Yes, don't but don't bury the lead, Gary and Gideon. Um, that w Gideon is slowly becoming my favorite character on the show. Like when they're foraging for food and they come back and she's like the gooseberries or whatever. But then she just has a leaf and she's eating a leaf with glee while people are talking. And I'm like, I just can't keep my eyes off Gideon while whatever's going on. And when she was like, would you like to have, you know, with me, Gary? And I'd be like, yes, Gideon. Yes, I would. <laughs> kind of a deal. Um, I'm 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 shipping Gary and Gideon, man. G double G, I'm all about it. All right. Uh so this was a fun episode. Um, you know, we kind of run hot and cold on Bishop from last season to this season, but I really liked the way that he was handled in this episode, that they kind of made him almost like a sympathetic villain, if you will. Um yes. manipulated, maybe pushed against his will without realizing by evil Gideon. Right. And he had a parachute toilet, Joe. Yes, because that was the only room that uh, Gideon, he did not put cameras in for Gideon uh, when he realizes that Gideon is the one who got rid of Ava Prime and that is forcing him to do all of these things. He goes into that room, uh, rocket toilets himself away, <laughs> lands on where the legends are, as they are about to fly away with the rebuilt back together, uh, uh, Dr. Davies spaceship or time travel or uh, time machine. So I guess good Bishop is going to be with the legends now. Right. And I like the fact that just before the toilet hit, someone said crap. So that was a good joke, Joe. Fun times. Yep. So would you like to talk about Dr. Who now? 
I'd like to listen to you talk about Doctor Who, Todd. Uh, that's what I thought. Um, so last we left our heroes, Joe, and the, the TARDIS was being taken over by a weeping angel. So um, the Doctor does some pseudo-science stuff, you know, and she ends up, like, using the wires and the thing to short-circuit stuff and make the uh, weeping angel uh, leave the TARDIS. But she says then uh, the TARDIS is now useless for a little while while it reboots. They go outside and they realize that they're in, uh, I forget what year it was, 1967. So um, as they're there, there's this older woman who's wandering around trying to scare everybody out of the town like the priest is like oh like why are you doing this and she's like just go look around things aren't what they seem um and at the same time they find out that a little girl is missing so yaz and dan go off to look for her um and uh they jump Basically, they get spotted by a weeping angel, and they get touched, and they get sent back to 1901, and they find Peggy, who's who's being there, and she's like, oh, I was sent back. The angel said, I'm okay, um, that they're not going to harm me. I don't know why, and they end up investigating, so that's kind of what's going on there. Um, the doctor ends up getting some readings, and she goes to this house, and she finds uh, Dr. Jericho, who kind of confused me because I recognized him, but then I rem- I realized he was the first mate in the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movies. So that kind of, that's, I'm glad that it finally jogged my memory. And he is doing tests on Claire, who was the woman a few episodes earlier, said that she knew the doctor um, and got sent back to this time by the Weeping Angels. Um, she ends up like saying like, yeah, I know all about you. For some reason, I just woke up had these visions, drew these things, a la like a TARDIS, and she drew a picture of a weeping angel. Doctor tears that up, and she's like, we got to get rid of this um, because a image of an, a weeping angel can become an, uh, a weeping angel. So she's like, well, what's going on? She's like, I don't know. Just had that happen. Um, then uh, the weeping angels actually attack the house, and she's like, all right, we're going to go downstairs and barricade ourselves in. I make a camera, tell the the scientists to watch them so they can't move kind of a deal. And she's like, before, before we go, I got to tell you, this town is cursed. Everybody's, you know, everybody is like people's disappearing. And this happened once before in 1901, which is obviously that other timeline. So the doctor says, can I check your mind? And she does. And she's, and she gets in there and she finds that there's a weeping angel in there. And you know, the whole thing of it, Someone's put an image in her head, thereby an image can become a weeping angel, and she gets possessed by the one. And she ends up telling the doctor, I need your help. And she's like, I won't give you my help. She's like, well, let me tell you, I used to work for the agency, which was the one who wiped your memory. I know all the things they don't want anybody to know, and I have your memories of the, that they wiped of you. If you help me, I'll help you. She goes, you got to leave the person first. And she goes, no, I'm not going to do that. And in that, uh, she ends up getting bounced out by the scientist who's like, the weeping angels are breaking in. We need to do something. And she's like, all right, I know I was looking at the map of the house that you have set up here. We have a way out. She ends up uh, getting out and uh, getting attacked by all the angels. She realizes, oh, they're not attacking me. Something's up. Um, They're hurting me kind of a deal. She gets hurted. 
So now we have to go back to 1901 because I know you like jumping around. And we find out that uh, that they've been sending the people back there. And if you get sent back in time twice by a weeping angel, you die, which is a rule that I like. And Peggy ends up realizing that the woman, because there's a portal that you could see into the future, but you can't go through because you'll get destroyed. And she sees that the old lady who's trying to stop everything is actually a grown-up version of Peggy. She takes the long way around to get there. And she ends up telling her, like, the reason they do this is because the Weeping Angels are cruel. They want to leave a person behind to tell the story. And that was me. And at this point, the scientist gets sent back to 1901. And we find out that in our time, or in 1967's time, that it was all a plot by the Weeping Angels to get the doctor there so that they can transform her into a weeping angel and use her for what like they 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 end up saying like they don't say why but she's like you're one of us the agency wants you back and we're gonna we're gonna use you as leverage and that's kind of where we leave the episode and then there's a small subplot with bell who ends up going to this planet and we end up finding out that she's she meets someone she's like have you seen vinder my husband they're like no but maybe he's at this spot where uh, this person comes every couple of days and she's like, okay, we'll go. And it's Azure with one of the passengers. He's like, I'm going to take you someplace that's safe. And Bell's like, no, 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 those are prisons. I know about those from my military time. We have to get out of here. And the guy's like, no, this is our, this is our salvation. She goes, no, no, it's not. We have to, she ends up knocking him down. So he doesn't get pulled inside. He's mad at her and tells her, get out of here. I don't ever want to see you again. She leaves. Vinder shows up on that planet. We don't know how long later. Shows the guy like, do you know this person? It's like, I've seen her. And I realize maybe she saved my life. If you see her, tell her I'm sorry and thank you. And I think she went over that way. And he ends up finding a message saying that, you know, I'm looking for you. We'll meet up somewhere. But it cuts off before she can give the coordinate. So, uh cliffhanger you know all around and uh hopefully next episode you know we'll even get more wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff for you joe okay uh i know last episode i said the bell stuff was the more interesting stuff Mm -hmm. this episode the bell stuff was the least interesting stuff and but it was also the smallest part of the show too yeah i like (laughs) if i have to pick a favorite villain of the doctor, it's the weeping angel. They are way up there, man. Right. Because their presence adds like almost like a horror thriller suspense sort of thing to the mm-hmm. sci-fi menagerie that is Doctor Who, you know, as opposed right. to a walking trash can or a human <laughs> to potato or another walking trash can, you know? Right. It's something. It's something with a little bit more style or substance or whatever it is. So I actually liked like the main part of this episode. And I joke, I joke before when we were talking about Legend of Tomorrow, where they did like a time travel paradox where like this kind of begets itself as like creating its own origin in a way that's for dumb people. This episode more or less did the same thing, but not for dumb people. Mm-hmm. The pieces are there, but you have to kind of sort of figure them out yourself. And they do tell you in the end, they don't make you guess, but it's not as like beating you over the head as a network television show on the CW as, you know, a 58 year old 
British BBC legacy show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I loved all the stuff with Claire. Everything. Um, I thought the actress was great. I thought her peril was great. Uh, I thought the bit about her seeing the visions and the fact that like she was quote unquote becoming an angel because an angel was living inside of her vision. Like I can only imagine when they were like pitching this episode. Uh, and I'm looking here and there was like two episode like two writers credited. I'm sure there was probably other people in the writers' room, however these things work. Mm-hmm. And like the person who thought of that thing, that bit for the angel to be living inside of her as like you know, whatever, uh, what was it? Uh, because she, uh, because she's a seer and she has the premonitions and she had the premonition of the angel and she remembers what she saw and the angel could live inside of her head because of it. Like, I imagine like the person who thought of that, like got a new, uh, got a new, uh, story on their house from BBC oh, yeah. afterwards, you know, they, they wrote a pool, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, no, I'm- but like I said, I, I rib you, I give you a hard time, but I really like this episode. This was my favorite of, this run and it might be my favorite of this doctor but it's because of the weeping angel because that was one of the few doctor who episodes that you ever saw was blink which is amazing but the like and the visual works very well like especially like when you have a flashlight that's flickering and the angel is like moving it's like there and then like the like everything goes black and then it's like 10 feet closer in a different pose looking ominous i'm like Never do I not. I know you. 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 You were talking about the walking trash can. I like the Daleks because of the hatred that's there. Like as soon as they show up, like that's the one character that the Doctor's like. You know what? I give everybody a chance. The Daleks. I'm gonna wipe them out of the universe if I get the chance. But the Weeping Angel are just a cool concept. Just yeah. an amazing concept. And like you said, her becoming an angel because she had the vision in her mind when she washes her face in the mirror and she stands up. And she has the angel's wings. Mm-hmm. I marked out. I have goosebumps right now from thinking about it. I'm like, that is so cool. She's wiping her eyes and the, the dust is falling. I'm like, I'm with you. That was the best. And I'm hoping we get some more answers because I do think that we're creeping into the weeping angel's origins with all this. Mm-hmm. Two more episodes to go. Right. And then the New Year's special and then question mark. Two more specials that year, but no one knows exactly when. They've only announced that it'll be New Year's. Gotcha. So you'll just have to stand top of that to make sure that we can, you know, get yep. it on here. I will. Uh, so yep. I guess that's it, everyone, right? Yep. Just uh, Hawkeye this week and for next week, too, to add to it. That's it. Yeah. So it's two episodes of Hawkeye, right? Yep. That's the uh, rumor and innuendos from Tom's Customs or whatever that site is that got the preview yep. of it today. Or shake my fist. Right. Uh, one day we'll be influencer enough to get like preview copies of a TV show from Disney. Right. Or the promo items, hopefully. Right. Uh, so for Todd, this is Joe saying thank you very much for listening to episode 582 of Longbox Heroes. And we will see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain.
You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network. 